Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anish Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's part three of a conversation with breast cancer survivor Claudine Mori. Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine and one of Claudine's physicians. For those of you who have uh, tuned in before, you'll know that Claudine had a diagnosis of breast cancer seven years ago when she was just over 40. Initially, she had had a clean bill of health, found a lump all by herself a few days later, had a diagnosis of breast cancer, went through a big surgery, found out that it was in her lymph nodes. And we got to the point in the story where she went to see the oncologist and initially was told, you need chemotherapy, you're going to lose your hair. And this was really devastating for her. So, Claudine, we got to the point in the story where you had found out from a friend that she had had um, a certain kind of chemotherapy where she didn't lose her hair called CMF. Um, And your oncologist looking at the size of your cancer, the fact that it was in your lymph node said, you know, we can do whatever you want to do, but CMF is really 1950s chemotherapy. I'd really rather treat you with ACT, um, which is the gold standard. And we had left the story at the cliffhanger there. So what happened? So when she looked at me and she said to me, that if the cancer came back and she couldn't cure me, like I said, she looked at me with such care and such love. And she didn't even, I was a stranger to her. And she said, I understand your fear. And she said, let's set you up with the appointment. She said, we're going to need to run scans because we do need to see if it's if it has spread. Um, so we'll set up your next appointment to have your scans done. We'll set up the appointment to start the chemo. She said, go home. Think about what I've said. If you need to do any research, if you need to call me and ask me any questions, I'm here for you. And we made the appointments. And going home, I remember... People say to you, it's just hair. It'll grow back. If you haven't ever lost your hair before as a female, please don't say that to anybody because you just don't understand until it happens. And for me, that was the hardest part of all of this. Um, But I did go home and I did think about it. And I remember sitting on the porch and I was talking to my husband and I said to him, I really think that she needs to be my doctor. I said, because she really cares and I'm going to take her advice. So September 11th, it was actually our anniversary. Um, 
was the day that I had to go in and get all of my scans done to see if it had spread. We did find out that it didn't spread. So that was good news. Yes, that was probably the best news. Um, But I still, of course, needed to go through with chemo. So then we start this wonderful thing called chemo training um, where you meet this amazing nurse who gives you this fabulous book of all the information that you really don't want to know. And she tells you all about what's going to happen over the next 16 weeks. Um, Back to episode one, when I asked the question, why me? I got the answer because I had something to learn. And after that, my attitude changed. I'm going to be okay. I just need to get through this. I just literally kept saying, I just need to get through this. And each hurdle that came, I jumped over the hurdle. Um, But I did have to have a port installed, which I do recommend to anyone um, if they do have to go through chemo um, to get the port because it is extremely helpful. It's not uncomfortable when you're getting chemo put through you or any other blood work or any other thing because any IV can just go right through the port. So it does make it really convenient if you do have to go for those chemo treatments or whatever other treatments that you need to go for. So even though I hated it, I, it was a love-hate relationship. I, I, did, I did celebrate the day that it did get removed. I did pretty much have a party that day for myself. Um, but it, it does, it is a blessing to have that. So I was very I grateful. Think, you know, there's so many things about cancer treatment that are a love-hate relationship, right? Oh my God. Um, you, you, you really hate chemo, but you know that it comes from a place of love that 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 your oncologist really wants but what's best for you and the same for the port and the same for everything else um and i think that what you said was really true um in the sense that keeping a positive attitude knowing that you can get through this um is so important and, you know, I honestly, I, I was like, okay, let's get this started because I want this to be over as soon as possible. And, you, you know, you, the fear is of the horror stories, the, all of the horror stories where, you know, you think you're going to be sick, you think you're going to be in bed for 16 weeks and you're not going to be able to do anything and you're going to be throwing up and, you know, you just, all the horror stories. So, and of course, everyone takes it differently. Everybody responds differently to drugs. So you never know what you're going to get. You just don't really know how your body is going to respond. Um, she did say to me in chemo training that exercise is key, no matter what you do, even if it's just a walk, because it just helps everything. It helps the toxins get out of your body, which is what you want to do. You want to drink lots of water and you want to exercise. And, you know, of course, like when I was going through surgery, I kept saying, when can I get back to the gym? When can I get back to the gym? I was like a broken record. They're like, well, you got to heal eight, <laughs> 10 weeks just from surgery. And I did have to go to physical therapy because I could only raise my arms chest level. So I did need to work on getting my range of motion back. Um, and I did uh, deal with lymphedema, which although they said is rare, I did have to deal with it. Um, and I will say to people, once people have lymphedema or the, there's that big fear around lymphedema, and no, I didn't know what the hell it was until, of course, get slapped in the face with it. Um, and it is your arms or you know a part of your body swelling because the lymph nodes, now fluid has to find different ways to travel. So it does kind of get trapped. 
So uh, the physical therapist did help with massage to try and start getting that fluid to move into different areas and get other lymph nodes to work and filter that fluid out. And immediately people are like, oh my God, okay, you can't lift anything with that arm. Don't lift your bag. Don't lift your purse. Don't carry your purse on that arm. Um, if you have, make sure you have a, an emergency kit because God forbid, don't let it bleed. You know, you can't get it cut. Oh my God, people calm down. <laughs> Again, don't live in fear. I continued to use that arm. I continued when I was able to get back to the gym and I lifted weight and I did everything that I used to do. And guess what? It got better. Yeah. And that's such a key point because it is a common misperception that if you have lymphedema or you're at risk of getting lymphedema, that lifting weights will make it worse. There's actually randomized control trial data that lifting weights actually makes it better. So I am so glad, right? Like you should live your Life. I mean, I tell patients that the reason why we're treating this cancer is so that you can live your life. We're going to take care of the cancer so that you can live your life. You're not going to put your life on hold because of this cancer. We're going to deal with the cancer so that you can live your life. Exactly. So and, and that's the whole reason why I got cancer, to remember to get back to living life. Yeah. Because we forget. And I think that that is one of the biggest lessons that people who go through cancer get. And I think it's one of those lessons that people who have not gotten cancer should remember is that, you know, every day is a gift. That's why it's called the present. And you know, we need to live our lives in the present and we need to be grateful for what we have and we need to live life to the fullest and we need to love the people around us. Um, because, you know, you don't really need the big C to give you that epiphany. But man, boy, if you get that diagnosis, it really does give you that epiphany. I said, you know, my life, I was very off balance. My life was completely, I was the example of someone that had no work life balance. And I said to myself, you know, I can't get like a little small kick in the ass. No, I, can, I need to get a big <laughs> kick in the butt for me to really like wake up and my entire perspective changed. My priorities yeah. changed. The way I handled work changed because we get on this, we're like these little hamsters on the wheel and we run, 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 run. And we think that making more money and getting the bigger job and getting the promotion and having the big house and the car and all this other stuff is so important. And then you get a slap in the face and you're like, oh my God. Everything that I thought was so important is so not important. I'm not spending time with my family. I'm not living life. I'm not enjoying waking up every day because I have to do this job that consumes every minute of my, yeah. you know, my brain, of my energy. I'm not getting to the gym like I want to. I'm not in, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing the things that make me happy. Yeah, But we get stuck 
until something like this happens. And what I learned was I am going to make it a mission to make sure that I can pay forward and I can teach people what I learned without them having to go through what I went through. So important. And it, it reminds me of something you said in the first show, which was, if you had to do it all over again, would you go through cancer to learn that lesson? And you said, absolutely. Every, every, every day I would say the same answer. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break for a medical minute and learn more about all of the lessons you learned through your cancer journey so that you can pay it forward to our audience. Please stay tuned. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, dedicated to advancing options and providing hope for people living with cancer. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. The American Cancer Society estimates that nearly 150,000 people in the U.S. will be diagnosed with colorectal cancer this year alone. When detected early, colorectal cancer is easily treated and highly curable, and men and women over the age of 45 should have regular colonoscopies to screen for the disease. Patients with colorectal cancer have more hope than ever before thanks to increased access to advanced therapies and specialized care. Clinical trials are currently underway at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital, to test innovative new treatments for colorectal cancer. Tumor gene analysis has helped improve management of colorectal cancer by identifying the patients most likely to benefit from chemotherapy and newer targeted agents, resulting in more patient-specific treatment. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Claudine Mori. We're talking about her journey through breast cancer and all of the lessons that she learned along the way. So, Claudine, before the break, we were talking about how you didn't really want to go through chemotherapy, but you went through chemotherapy. And you you had mentioned um, that you really didn't want to lose your hair. Um, did you lose your hair? And what was that like? Well, since uh, I pre- pretty much figured it was inevitable that I was going to lose my hair, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be prepared. So I did do some research on that. And I found um, this company online where they actually come to your house. You send them a picture of what you look like with hair. And they come to your house and they bring you um, uh, an assortment of wigs that will fit your look and um, you can try them on and they will do a little cut and make them, you know, so that it fits your face. And this amazing, within a week, I had an appointment and because, okay, so I knew when I was starting chemo, so I knew I had about three weeks until I actually needed to be prepared for this. And... um so this amazing girl comes and she has everything and she makes a very scary thing, very, you know, scary reality, um, kind of fun. And, you know, we tried on all these wigs and I actually tried on a blonde wig and (laughs) like, you know, so I did, uh, pick out a wig 
And I was very fortunate because my insurance did cover it. And um, I was able to actually keep it. So I had it with me. So I was prepared. So, and really what I will say is that wig is a safety net and it gets you over the hurdle. So I, I did start chemo and as promised within, I think it was about 19 days, um, maybe 17 days, it started to, you know, more strands were coming out. And I remember I had a lunch date, which was kind of unusual, but it was with family and um, somebody was leaving to go to Florida. And she was actually my sister-in-law who also was going through um, cancer and she had multiple myeloma. So very different. Um, But I remember being in the shower and the hair was just coming out in clumps and it just wouldn't stop. And I was just looking on the floor and I'm like, I almost looked like I had a wig on the floor. That was, it was just that much hair. And I was just like, oh my God. And I remember I got out of the shower and I said, I kind of looked like Gollum (laughs) from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I had all these patches and this like kind of long strands. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, we're going to put that wig on. And I put the wig on, I got dressed and I went to lunch. And let me tell you that wig looked so good. Nobody had any clue that I lost that it was a wig. And I think I did tell them and they were pretty much in shock because it just looked like my real hair. Um, So it gets you over that hurdle of being out in public. Because what I will say is once when you have cancer, you can talk about it with people if you want, but you don't have to talk about it because nobody knows. You walk around like a regular person. Nobody knows you have cancer. But once you lose your hair, you instantly become the poster child for cancer, unfortunately. And that's when everybody starts to look at you and they can't help it. You know, it's not their fault. They just see somebody with no hair and you immediately know, not 99% sure they, she's, you know, has cancer and she's going through chemo and people can't help it, but they try to not look and they look and you can see the, whatever you see on their face, whether it's pity, whether it's sadness, whether it's whatever it is. Yeah. You don't want to see that. Once you lose your hair, the veil is lifted and you can't hide anymore. And you have to deal with it. And that's hard. So I will say that the wig definitely gets you over that hurdle. And I didn't need to wear the wig. Like I got over that hurdle. I'm going to say another treat that I wasn't prepared for was chemo put me right into menopause. Yeah. And let me tell you, the hot flashes started and it was like I was going to combust. (laughs) I mean, my husband would be sitting next to me and he's like, oh my God, you're like a furnace. The heat would just start up from your torso and it would literally like you were a volcano and it would come through 
because it wanted to escape and it would escape through the top of your head. And by wearing a wig, it trapped the heat. So it became very uncomfortable. So what I started to resort to was hats. And having really not been a hat person, hats became my best friend. So I did transition from wig to hat. But I will say that the wigs did get me over the hurdle. A very funny story. So I got this blonde wig and it was this long hair. It almost looked like Taylor Swift type hair. I mean, big, like long blonde hair. And I was like, it was one night and my husband and I were going to go out to dinner. And I'm like, I'm going to wear the blonde wig. So (laughs) I wear the blonde wig and I look like a different person. And, but it's kind of fun, you know? So yeah. We go, we have dinner and it's early. So that we decide to go to a local restaurant and we're just sitting at the bar. We're having a glass of wine and I see neighbors and now they don't know what's going on. They don't know I have cancer. They don't know I have chemo, but they see this woman sitting with Jim at the bar with long blonde hair. (laughs) And I could just see them looking at each other. And I go to Jim, they think you're with a mistress. (laughs) And so I walk, I walk over and I said, don't worry. It's really me. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta, you gotta keep your sense of humor over all this stuff because you gotta laugh. Laugh is therapy. We have to laugh throughout this. Um, And yes, hair does grow back. It does take a while and it's a very long time for it to grow back, but it does. So I, I will say that, but as a cancer person, just don't say that to somebody because it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's just hard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that was my, that's my wig story. Um, so you get through chemo and with, you know, menopause and hair loss and presumably a little bit of nausea and vomiting as well. None. None. Fantastic. So yeah, I took my, I took my anti-nausea medicine like religiously. I never got sick. Um, I had, I'm going to say I had maybe three bad days. Um, And you were working during this time as well or no? I worked the whole time. I was really fortunate. I was allowed to work from home. So I did work from home um, and I was able to finally return back to the gym. And by the time I did return back to the gym, I had lost my hair. So I will say walking into the gym the first day, I didn't have any hair. I had a hat on and I had on, you know, your hats don't really fit your head once you lose your hair. So I needed to like figure out a way to keep this hat on my head without it like kind of moving all over the place. So I had this like I looked like Karate Kid. I had like this headband on and it was like, it was like I tied it in the back and it like had like these long, it was kind of long. So it came down to like the middle of my back. And of course I'm pretty self-conscious walking in, but those people were like my family. I mean, those people got me through when I talk about support system, there's nothing. I, I call those people my third family because They were the ones that texted me every day. They came over with dinner. They came over for dinner. They made an enormous basket for me before I started my 
surgery and, and chemo treatment with all kinds of goodies. And in it was this blanket. And I used to say that blanket was my surgery blanket or my therapy blanket, because every time I wasn't feeling well, I came home, I grabbed that blanket. My cat immediately knew, okay, that's the blanket that she needs when she's not <laughs> feeling well. So I got to go to work. So as soon as I would sit down on the couch, I put my blanket out, that cat would come up in my lap and she would just start to do her little, her little therapy because she said, oh, they just know, they know when you need help. When, when I lost my hair, my one cat literally slept head to head. So it was like, he realized something wasn't quite right since I had no hair and he felt like he needed to heal me. So he slept with his head against my head. And I remember Jim oh. taking a picture of me. Cause he's like, you just looked so cute, <laughs> <laughs> but going back, it's those people, those people were like my family. And I would say, I don't care how bad I feel. And let me tell you, there were days that I know I walked into that room and I was green and I had no business being in that room because I certainly wasn't up to a workout. But that energy is so healing. We talk about energy in a group and we talk about people's aura and like, you always say, oh, that person has really good energy. I like being around that person. Well, we all emit an energy and the energy is so therapeutic because I used to say to people, you know, you didn't need to say a word to me. You were healing me just by being in that room and you were sending me all that positive energy and I was feeling it and I was getting better. Just being in the room made me feel like, okay, I've got a little bit of normal back in my life. And yeah, there were days I had a really, you know, not a great workout, but you know what? I walked out of there feeling amazing because I was in that energy. I was in that healing space and it's so important. It's so important to not isolate yourself. Yeah. So, and then um, after chemo, did you go through radiation? Mm. Yes. I'm going to say I, I did worse with radiation than I did with chemo. Um, radiation was really, it wasn't. It, I was, I was, I, I kind of felt like a burn victim. My skin is very fair. Um, I did need to go for five weeks of radiation. Um, and my upper body was very, uh, it, you know, it starts out okay. But by week four is when I really started to get some, some pretty severe burn. Um, and I could no longer do my normal workout because I really couldn't move my upper body. Um, the burns, it was just painful. So I started to spin, which I always said I hated, but you know what? I could, Hey, I could be in that energy. I could be in the room and I could, I could pedal. So that's what I did. I yeah. started to pedal. So I found a new group of people, same gym, but new group of people, new group of energy. And again, the healing just continued because positive in, positive out. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, in, in the last 30 seconds or so that we have, 
you know, I think what's critical is that seven years later, you're doing great. I mean, you got through the diagnosis, you got through surgery, you got through chemotherapy, you got through radiation, and you've kept up this positive energy, you've kept up your fitness. What's the one message that you want to make sure everybody knows in our last 10 seconds? Oh, boy. What I will no say pressure. is, the yeah, I know, the biggest thing is that no matter how bad the cards you have been dealt, and I have been dealt worse since cancer, so I can say this wholeheartedly, there are ov- always silver linings. Claudine Mori is a breast cancer survivor. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital and AstraZeneca.